Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. Before we get started, we would like to invite you to leave a review for this podcast in iTunes. It's a brand new show, and it's really important in the launch of a new podcast to gather reviews. Will you please help us spread the word by leaving a review so that more mamas have a chance of finding this podcast when they search for one? We read every single review, and we promise to keep doing that. We love what everyone, all of you ladies, have been saying about the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast here with My Essential Birth. So thank you, everyone, for your continued support. All right, you guys, we have the funniest review. This one's coming in from Caitlin Birch. She said, I just started listening and honestly, I'm not a mom or pregnant. Hey girl, welcome. (laughs) I wanted to start listening to a podcast to give me confidence that in the future I could give birth naturally. I love listening and something you guys get to laughing so hard that you seem like two best friends wine drunk. That's without alcohol. Thank you very much. Can you imagine what we would be like with the alcohol? It'd be a disaster. Oh, gosh. I love it. Anyway, curious, which essential oil could help with headaches? Keep up the good work. Well, Caitlin Birch, one of my favorite essential oils to use for headaches is actually just straight-up peppermint. With the carrier oil. With the carrier oil. It can be a little spicy. Yeah, a little goes a long way, but um, peppermint, it's got that cooling, tingling sensation. It just really helps to relieve a lot of that tension. If you want to supercharge it, you can add in some frank frankincense some lavender go get frank doTERRA makes a great blend that has all those in there called past tense it's magic yes we're really excited about today's podcast episode because it's all about how to assemble your dream team all-star birth team avengers assemble (laughs) just kidding birth team assemble okay this is extremely crucial and very important for every mom um because the people that you have around you are going to guide what happens during your entire birth experience. You guys know that quote where they're like, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with? Yeah, the average. average, Sorry, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I started thinking, I was like, well, I spend the most time with my kids, and that's not a pretty picture. But anyway, the point is, I feel like that's kind of true for your birth team, though. Oh, yeah. Who you have surrounding you, if you've got, like, negative Nellie down the street, and she's constantly telling you about, like, you know, I just watched trauma life in the ER and there was this lady that like, okay, you don't need her in your birth space, right? So you need to handpick these five people and you need to be really selective. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into that in a second because we kind of, when we were talking about it before, divided them into two separate categories. Mm -hmm. So you have the people that's like your partner that you can't change. Right. And then you've got some family and friends that are always loving and well-meaning, but may not necessarily give you what you need. And then you've got the birth team that is like your provider, um, nurses, midwife assistants or a midwife, and then any doulas or anybody else that you invite into your space to be there in your literal and actual support for the birth. Mm -hmm. So why don't we get started there? Let's start with the partner and family and friends, acquaintances, well-meaning relatives. (laughs) (laughs) So we're starting with kind of the inner circle here. 
these are the kind of people where you really take to heart what they say. So that could be, it's usually, right, your spouse, a friend, a close family member, that something they say, for good or bad, could really... Your mom. Your mom. Your mom. Your mom. <laughs> your mom. <laughs> could really just go to the core and sort of rock you a little bit, right? So we want to be careful who you have then as a result. And who you're saying things to. So if you know that you want to be able to talk to people about your birth, but you kind of expect that certain people are going to give you some information that you don't want to hear, you need to be really careful and selective about who you're sharing that information with. If you know, for example, and I'll just use an example from my own, um, I, with my third birth, I was having a home birth, and mm -hmm. it's because we had moved again, and the, the um, hospital near us said that if you come in, you're having another VBAC, we don't, or not another VBAC, you're having another cesarean birth, we don't do VBACs on, like, it doesn't matter that you've had one before. So I was like, okay, that's not happening. I worked too hard, and I decided to birth at home. Well, I told my mom about that because she's my mom, right? Yeah. Now, luckily, we were in a different state. I love my mom, but hear me out here. She had called my mother-in-law, who had planned to come out for the birth, and told her that her and her sisters had only had cesareans, and so it's likely that she's going to have, like, she's, she can't have a birth without a cesarean. Like, she's going to die was kind of the conversation oh that we had there. Okay, that was my third birth. But let me let me clarify here. My mom was there, physically there for my first birth, and this is the birth where the nurses were coming in and, and telling me, the birthing mom, can you tell your mom if anything's wrong that there will be, like, ten of us in here, like, everything's fine? I had no idea she was even just constant back and forth. So loving, well-meaning, seriously worried, yeah. right? Concerned and all that, but probably not the best person for the vibe that I needed in my birth space. Absolutely. I feel like that's true of everybody though, right? Like you go to family gatherings and you just know you can't talk politics with, you know. <laughs> Anybody cousin, ever, let's be real. Cousin so-and-so. <laughs> like you like them significantly better if you just don't approach certain subjects, totally. right? And it's, it's the same thing with birth. If you already know that you want, you know, an unmedicated vaginal, home birth, water birth, whatever, and you know that maybe you've got somebody who's very traditional. I do everything my doctor says. How dare you question it? Maybe just you don't need to discuss your plans with them. Why open yourself up for that kind of? Right. Hurt? It's unfortunate, but you'll learn. You'll learn after those first couple Same times. Same thing goes for when you have a baby, too. Just oh, put that out there. Can, can we need a whole one? My Essential Motherhood. Heard? Motherhood. motherhood. We need a whole My Essential Motherhood. Because that's the other side. Don't like, say that. Somebody will go buy the URL and then we'll have to We bought the URL. <laughs> oh, did we? I can't remember what we bought anymore. Yeah, we bought it. Bottom line, when it comes to that familial circle, um, you know, family, friends, just be careful that you're talking to people and pulling them in who are going to be supportive and totally on board and enthusiastic with whatever you've got planned for birth. Now... <laughs> You can't leave your partner out of the loop, right? <laughs> Whether or not there's somebody that you bounce ideas off of and get the right kind of comments back. Right. So here's what we recommend in regard to your birth partner, right? Your baby daddy, your husband, whatever, right? You're not going to leave them out of the loop. But we do have a recommendation, and that is before you start slinging um, different birth ideas out there about what you want, you may want to be prepared with um, supporting information so that when you go to say, you know what, honey, I've been thinking, I know all our family and friends, they always go to the hospital, but I feel like the birth that's in my heart is a home birth. 
be prepared to know that he might have some questions. He might feel uncomfortable. And it helps if you've done a little bit of research yourself and can be prepared and say, you know what? For women who are healthy and have an uncomplicated pregnancy, it's every bit as safe to birth at home. Here, take a look at these studies. If your partner is that kind of person, you just you may want to be prepared before you talk to him. Yeah, and keep in mind, especially when we're talking about partners, and I know this was a thing for us, even though we've had a home birth, which was successful, and afterwards my husband was all for it. But at first it was kind of like, well, that it is scary. They care about you. They love mm-hmm. you. They want to do what's going to be best for everybody. And a lot of times I think their mind goes to, is that safe? Absolutely. So, and, and that's one example. Obviously, we're not just talking about home birth. But I think what we had talked about before the episode was getting really clear, crystal clear on the kind of birth that you desire, that you truly desire. And then you can come back and decide how you're going to formulate that birth team and the knowledge, the support, like what you're going to need to be able to get the kind of support that you need. Yeah, exactly. So when we moved states and I checked out the different hospital options around me and didn't quite feel comfortable, I was really excited to have a birth center birth, but I... You know, and I started thinking about that and mulling it over and kind of weighing my options. So mind you, we'd already had a couple kids. We'd taken a really great birth course and stuff like that. So we were prepared. But I guess you just need to make sure that they're comfortable too. It was interesting because my husband, when we toured the birth center, he was asking questions that I hadn't even thought mm-hmm. of. Where is your emergency equipment? What do you do in this situation? And so anyway, just allowing them space to kind of get comfortable and clear on how they see themselves supporting you in that space too. I like that. It's important. So we're going to give you just an idea or two about what do you do if you have maybe some family members who are kind of imposing themselves into your space or like maybe maybe your mom or your mother-in-law has said I want to be in there in the birth team I can't wait to like be there and cheer you on and you don't really want them in there how do you politely handle that Stephanie what are some ideas I have a couple ideas Um, first of all discussing that with anybody that's going to be on the birth team so any nurses any doctors anybody like that um, if you're let not, them do the dirty work. I would totally let them. It, depending on how comfortable you are, saying I love you so much, but I, we really just would like it to be us. If you're comfortable saying that, and you're not going to have any stress or anxiety over that, then by all means do that. But if you know they're going to like throw a fit and give you the silent treatment, and what you're going to have to worry about these things while you're trying to focus on having a baby, then you use the people around you. So mm-hmm. I would just tell them, okay, great, whatever. If Unless they're like watching other kids or whatever, you don't have to call them the second you're having contractions or unless they're going to be involved in some way taking you to your birthplace, you don't necessarily have to say anything. You can text once you're there and say, hey, we're at the birthplace. She's having contractions, whatever the case. And then you just let the hospital staff or the birthing staff or whatever know that when they come, please politely let them know that, oh, we actually just need the two of them in there right now. We'll let you know how, you know when you can come in, which will be after the birth, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you let them do that, and they're prepared to do that. Yeah. That's, that's you can text them after babies already come. I've had some people do that. But <laughs> unless that's going to be, right? Like Unless, unless they're going to be offended yeah, that you yeah. didn't let them know when you were in labor. I know that when I had doula clients, I would let them know. Who do you want in this birth space? Who do you not want? Because you have to go on and live with these people for decades to come. I don't. Right. I get to go home and never see them again. So (laughs) I don't mind being the bad guy. And if they show up and just say, you know what, we just got her settled. And right now they're requesting that family and friends give them some space for a little bit of time. We'll come and grab you when they're ready to have you. 
Perfect. I don't care if I see that. Well, and I joke, I have from my third birth, I have a picture of me, and it's me holding my phone. It's me texting my mom, I'm in labor, I'll let you know how it goes, I love you. And I turn my phone off. Oh, Because I love my mom so much, but... (laughs) Anyway, so I let her call my mother-in-law, and I told my mother-in-law to not tell me what my mom was saying, and she could update her and whatever, and I was totally fine with that, but, you know, I have to protect that vulnerable space. It has to feel very comfortable. Yeah, let them know, hey, um, I'll I'll have my husband or partner send some text updates every once in a while, but yeah. we're doing great. We're going to turn I mean, it's easy when you're out of state. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's they know where the birth space is. Like, you got them involved too early, and you told them where the hospital was. And, and what you, room you yes, were in. Yes, if you do that, it's on you. So now we've warned you. <laughs> you have been warned. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay? Don't. Just don't. Yeah. So let's talk about your physical birth team. These are, this is your provider, whether that's a um, obstetrician or a midwife or whoever you've got that's actually going to be there, your nurses, midwife assistants, your doula. These are the people that are actually helping to manage and support you during birth. And so I feel like this, this, this could also be siblings, right? Or a mother yeah. or father if they're going to be in a supportive role. Like they understand they have a purpose Hands for being on. there. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and they'll be fulfilling that role. So, I mean, a mother with children that maybe wants her children present, maybe she'd have her mom there to watch the child. Like, she needs to have a role um, to be included in what we're defining as part of this physical Physical support team. Yes. Physical support team. Yes. I think this is what most people think of when they think of your birth team. Your birth team. Yes. So, if you don't remember anything else from this conversation, I want it to be this. The people in your physical birth team are people who support you 100%. Their birthing philosophy matches up with yours. They are enthusiastic and they they want what's best for you. They want what you want. Yeah, I think you described it perfectly. These are All right, we're done. <laughs> See you later. These should be people that when they're in your birth space, they buoy you up. When they come in, the room gets lighter, not darker. If any of that makes sense to you, like I want you to, there's a feeling around what the area that you're creating, these people that are going to be invited to this space need to make that space brighter, lighter, happier, more joyful. You don't want to be concerned that when they walk in, are they going to suggest something that I'm not interested in? Yeah, which is why you have these conversations ahead of time. So I knew I had found the right provider. Mine was an obstetrician. When I was like, I, I want delayed cord clamping. I don't want to have to be hooked up to an IV. I want freedom of movement. He's like, yeah, definitely. I want to, that's how I roll. That's like where I'm at. And I knew I wasn't going to have to fight him on those things. I feel like occasionally you'll get a little bit of a two-faced doctor where they're telling you what you want. Very rarely, hopefully. But it's yeah. rare. Um, I feel like it's pretty easy to feel those situations out. And I think, so, I'm going to stop you there because I think this is the perfect segue into we want to give you an ex- like a little more detail on how to find the right provider yeah. because we can say this all day long, but if you don't have like actual tools that you can take with you to look for a provider, um, then it's not as helpful. So, we got you, girl. Okay, so get us started. How do you find a good provider? How do you find a good provider? Number one, you go based off recommendations or referrals from people who had a birth similar to yours. Ask around, church groups, mom groups, playdates, parks, whatever. Facebook groups. Facebook groups, right? Look for somebody who had the kind of birth that you're kind of going for. Who did they use and what was their experience with that provider? Would they recommend them for that kind of birth? Yeah, and on that note, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but a doula, 
and we're going to have you, this is going to be we a challenge to you guys. We have an assignment. Yeah, I think we should. Okay. We're going to have, at the end of this episode, we'll tell you what you can do to find one in all this, but we want you to interview a doula. And you want to know why? Because it's 100% free, and they're going to be crazy educated about all things birth and in your area, your specific area. This includes providers. They're mm-hmm. going to know, like, if they've been to 50 births or 20 births or whatever, oh, yeah, I've worked with that provider. Maybe they haven't been to that many births. We'll get to that, too. But they are able to reach out to other people or on a forum or like we do. I know like if I haven't been to birth with a provider, but I know the kind of birth that my mom is looking for Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that that provider matches, I will reach out to other doulas and say, hey, what do you know about this provider and get some of that feedback for them? There were times where I would be interviewing and they would say, well, I've had a cesarean birth before. I'm really hoping for a VBAC, right? Vaginal birth after cesarean. I'm using Dr. So-and-so and and either from personal experience Mm -hmm. or... Um, (laughs) Are you aware that he doesn't have a great track record for this working out, right? Would you like for me to give you some alternate recommendations or are you really comfortable with him? It's still your decision as the mom, but that's where doulas are so amazing because they've got these connections and those resources to help point you in the right direction. Totally. So some other options that might narrow down your provider search is um, who your insurance will cover right? You've got to kind of pay attention to how that bill is going to get paid. Um, You might say, I'm really not willing to drive more than an hour to see my person. It's okay to narrow it down by time. I think what Stephanie and I have cautioned you against in previous episodes is don't just say, give me all the OBs within a five mile search because I'm not driving more than that. And just pick the first one that you see on there or pick the first female or whatever. Right. Just don't, don't do it that way. That's no, the, I did that with my first. Cause I was like, I would like to deliver at this hospital with an ocean view. That's How did that turn out for you? I had a cesarean birth. <laughs> an unnecessary. An unnecessary cesarean. This was the doctor that told me because of my shoe size, I was less likely to have a cis- any to have a vaginal birth. Has he published that paper? That's got to be astounding. He was certainly an older gentleman too, which I actually at the time felt comforted by because I was like, like he's been doing this forever. Yeah. Um, I just trusted he had delivered so many babies and all this, but then, you know, by the time we had that conversation at 37 weeks, I was like, oh crap, you know, (laughs) it's no good. Darn it. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. And that's kind of the point. Like, sure. Like go on your insurance and click the five, 10, 15 mile radius and look at some doctors, but I'll like, make sure you're researching the doctors and say that you don't have people or whatever to reach out to. Or that you just decide, well, I'm six weeks, like I just need to see somebody and you Mm -hmm. don't have that provider. So say that you go to somebody, what do you do once you're there? How do you figure out, is this a good provider? What are some questions? Um, Well, how about you download our free uh, questions to ask your provider sheet? Y'all, it's free. Just free. You should have this already. You're welcome. Um, anyway, you can take those questions with you. I, you can even call and talk to the receptionist and just say, I... I was saying yes. Oh, you guys can't see saying, on the podcast. I'm pointing at her. Do I have something her. in my yes. teeth? Do I have no. something in my nose? No, I'll just do what Courtney does. Stop! <laughs> Did I do that this no. time around? No, not okay. this time. I was staring at her forehead. I'm sorry. I cut it out of the last episode, but there was an episode two of forehead staring. So you can talk to the receptionist and just set up a consult appointment. You can do this over the phone. I like to do it in person because I want to get a feel but if, mm. you know, for them. But if you want to save yourself a tank of gas or whatever, <laughs> that's fine. You can do it over the phone. And I would say don't ask them the entire list of questions, yeah. right? This isn't Spanish Inquisition or whatever. But um, maybe select a handful that are really important to you. Such as? 
Such as? What's your cesarean birth rate? Yeah. What's your induction rate? You know, the things that are going to create the most impact on your birth. Yeah, so what's their comfort level for how far past your due date that they'll let you go? Are they ready to schedule an induction the minute you hit 40 weeks? Or do they come out and say, you know what, I'm comfortable going all the way up to close to 42 as long as you and baby are healthy? Ooh, that's what we want. And how carefree or, you know, less anxiety would this create if you did this at the beginning instead of hearing this at 37 weeks and you didn't even think to ask the question, right? Because by then it's like, well, inductions either You can up. still change your provider. You can, but it feels a lot less comfortable the later you get. For most women, that's just going to be true. Absolutely. So these are the kinds of things you want to be asking beforehand and, and finding a provider within there. Also, if you live in a big metropolitan area where you've narrowed it down within 10 to 20 miles um, by who your insurance will cover and you've got a list of like 100 people long, again, <laughs> that's where at that point – Interviewing a doula, even if you don't think you're going to use a doula, can help maybe narrow that list down. And I would say once that you're you're kind of established and you've had you're now you're meeting specifically with the provider, maybe you have a good vibe. Maybe that next visit, you bring in some of those other questions like, "How do you feel about me wearing my own clothes?" These are things that are important for me, by the way. How do you feel about me wearing my own clothes? How do you feel about me not having an IV, eating and drinking during my birth? Mm-hmm. Those That's when you bring in the laundry list and you're like, I want to know what your reaction is going to be to these things. And then you listen. You watch and you wait. Because if the initial reaction, squirm? yes, <laughs> do they cross their arms and lean back? Like, really? Like, what is their body language doing? Are yeah. you vibing with them? Are they kind of like, well, are you I feeling mean, a little pushback already yeah. on some of these requests? Or are they like, yeah, it's, you know, trust the red flags, thing. trust the intuition. If you're feeling really good about it and you keep moving forward, then you do that. And if not, then you interview somebody else. It doesn't, it's not a big deal. You it's just interview hurt. somebody else. Yeah, I'm with you. I would say it's almost equally important to do a birthplace tour as well. Wouldn't you agree? Yep. In fact, Stephanie and I were just having this conversation. Which do they need to talk to first? Do they need to go to the birthplace first and then see which providers are there and then narrow it down by provider or the other way around? Either way, though, both are necessary because you can have um, a fabulous, supportive provider and then maybe they deliver at a birthplace where the nurses hate or aren't supportive of um, a birth that's a little out of the norm, right? Or maybe they just have different policies like at the hospital itself. So we've talked about like some some um, hospitals are baby friendly. So they're like certified baby friendly, which is it means like they allow for the waiting for the cord to be cut, immediate skin to skin, mm-hmm. breastfeeding right away. No an separation hour, from mom. Yeah, an hour of like alone time with parents before doing any procedures, no bathing the baby. They just have some of these things that fall into place. There's other hospitals, though. We have one here in Utah that is not certified baby-friendly, but it has all the same things, and I think they are fabulous. Um, but, I, yeah, you need to know. The provider is huge. The provider, even if the nurses are bad, the provider has the final say. However... If you go to a hospital tour and you bring some questions and you ask some things out loud in front of a group of people and the nurse that is leading the group, and you're like, I would like to not have an IV. What's your policy on that? And if yeah. the instant reaction is like, shut up, right? <laughs> have, I, like, have you been to a tour yes. where it's like, stop talking. Do not ask those questions. I went to one here. They didn't say this, but like you feel it. Oh, yeah. You, know? you feel the ice. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's cold. Or um, you can ask questions like, do you allow women to um, labor in the shower? Do you have tubs that we can give birth yeah. in? Do you have wireless fetal monitors? Are they waterproof? Like you start asking, like, how long do I need to be connected to the monitors every hour? Um, because your provider might say, I'm fine with us just listening with the dop tone a couple times right. an hour, but maybe the birthplace is saying, we want you on there 30 minutes of every hour. That, that's and that's different. your communication to your provider. It goes mm-hmm. through the nursing staff. If you were in a hospital, it goes through the nursing staff. Yeah. So whatever you're hearing back and forth, you don't ever speak to the provider. At least I have never spoken to a provider or seen a provider spoken to somebody that way unless they're physically in the room. So yeah. it's not like you get to have that phone call. You're just trusting what the nurses say. However, I have had nurses who have said they've spoken with providers, and we love nurses, so don't get me wrong here, but I have seen nurses that have said they've spoken with providers about specific things that we've talked about as a team with a mom there, and the provider comes in, and they're like, why Why you got her hooked up on all this stuff? Like, let her, and just, yes. We so, love nurses. My mom's a yes. nurse. We're grateful for them. But, yeah. In I, other words, the hospital staff matters. That, that's kind of the point, right? And just, I mean, this is a topic for another time, but I was in a doula situation where there was a mom who, she just was adamant, I don't want an IV. They hurt in my arm. It's going to distract me from trying to focus on my birth. This was really important to her. And she'd already discussed it with her provider. Um, they were supportive of her not having an IV, but just making sure she stayed hydrated through fluids. And um, and the nurse that we happened to have just was not okay with that at all. And... Um, and there was some back and forth and some pushback and even some fear mongering. Well, like what happens if you're in an emergency and, you know, don't you want to be safe and all this kind of stuff? And finally, we just had to pull the flag. Will you please verify what I'm trying to tell you with my provider? Mm-hmm. We've already reached this agreement. And if you're um, if you're questioning that or not supportive, you're welcome to go talk to them. And that took care of it. So awesome. like Stephanie said, the provider does ultimately have the final say, but you can just save yourself some headaches. I feel like there's a small soapbox coming. I'm so sorry. I was trying to hold it back. Okay. Here's the thing. Birth is not an emergency. There's nothing emergent about birth nope. until it gets to a point where somebody has possibly made it emergent or there's a very small chance that it is. And in that case, these providers, these nurses are extremely skilled at finding a vein. That's their job. Like this is what quickly. they do. Quickly. Quickly. So that's my middle. Uh, sorry. Sorry. I wouldn't have brought it up. I, it's, it had, it's probably because it's one of my top things. Like, do not put that in my arm right now. Yeah. I've got to do my own thing. I had a girlfriend. She's a fellow doula, actually. And she tells a story. She's like, yeah, I was focused and doing my thing. I told her no IV. But she was, like, deep in a contraction and eyes closed or whatever. And somehow they had gotten it into her. And so she, in the middle of the contraction, just like, whatever. She said the contraction stopped, and she pulled it out. She was like, I said no. Oh, man. (laughs) I don't have that kind. Maybe I do. I feel like I don't have that kind of grit. Uh, Although, who is poking somebody in the middle of a contraction? Anyways, okay. (laughs) Guys, most nurses are wonderful. We love nurses. This went the wrong way. (laughs) Okay, I have to tell you, I've had four babies, three of them in hospital, Every single labor and delivery nurse that I ever had was an angel. They're so amazing. so awesome. Yeah. I've only, in all my births that I've doulaed, I've only had a nurse that gave me some trouble maybe once or twice. Very minimal. It's minimal. So I, but we want you to be prepared that these situations can happen. So go and do the hospital tour. (laughs) Do the hospital tour. Pick, pick a great provider, pick a great birthplace, and then from there on, keep your expectations high and happy. Yes. 
So let's wrap up here with doulas. We've already kind of mentioned a couple times how they can be good in helping you find a great provider, great birthplace. How do you actually find one, Stephanie? So we have a couple places that you can go. Um, here in Utah, I feel like they're just everywhere now. So, so many. We, you know, there's it's we have a birth forum, and there's some other places, Facebook and things like that, asking your mommy groups. But there are specific websites as well. So it, you can look in your local group, and they might have some local websites, and that's one place that you can go. There's also dona.org, which stands for yes, or doulas of North America. Uh, doulamatch.net is another one. I know Courtney and I were both on these, so. Um, she was on Dona. I was on Doula. You were probably on both. Cause she's I don't think cool I was like on that. both. I think I was oh, really? on Dona. Okay, she's too hoity twenty. <laughs> anyway, so there's some different places that you can go and look. Um, they should have an image. I know that like testimonials were a thing on the page. You can read through some of those. And then an easy way to contact them. All right, so when it comes to picking a doula, our best advice for you is really just to go with your gut. I know we keep saying that, but you guys, mother's intuition is a real thing. And even if you're not, you know, you don't have kids yet, you already have that mother's intuition. You have that gut feeling. I think what it really boils down to, though, is personality. Personality is huge. Yeah. I, like, scream this, every, like, all over the place. Even when people contact me to be a doula, I always say, make sure you interview somebody else too yeah. because you want to know for sure that this is the person that you want in your birth space. I would say like even three, three or four yeah. is you, not yeah. a bad number to interview. Um, Stephanie and I were just talking about how she and I, even as doulas, have very different energies that we bring, different styles that we bring. Um, you, I'm spunky. I'm high energy. I have a lot of energy. Um, I do, I do match, you know, obviously as mom needs things more serious or more calm or whatever, then I'm that person. But I rub some people the wrong way. That's just true. Yeah, and I go in and I'm usually very soothing, very soft, friendly, mm -hmm. kind of. And again, it's kind of, I try to match their energy too. Like, mm -hmm. I can I can be fun. I can be cool, guys, <laughs> I swear. But I'm all about trying to help them feel comfortable. Uh, I was telling Stephanie, I don't know if we should share this story. You might need to edit this out. <laughs> but we, how we met each other was at a doula training workshop. And there was a doula there who was describing you know, we were talking about how to interview, right? right? As a doula, she was talking about how when she goes in there, she'll start talking to them and she'll just reach across and grab their hand and start massaging it and massage their shoulders all while they're having this conversation. And I just remember thinking, oh gosh, I, I could run. never do yes. that. <laughs> I don't think I could do that as a doula. And I think if I were a mom, I would be a little uncomfortable if somebody just... As the just... mom, I'd be like crawling, like trying to get out of my skin. It kind of reminded For me, me of like those um, people in the office like, hey buddy, they are giving you a back rub and you know, hey, I like, oh. don't get me wrong, I love a good back rub, but just... I like to, to know me a little first, or let me pay you because you're a crazy good let professional. Let me buy you dinner first. No, that's not what I meant. Oh, gosh. Anyway, but she was a really sought-after doula, so obviously oh, yeah. that worked for her. Yeah. I guess um, there is a doula for every birthing mother, and there's a birthing mother for every doula. I do think the world works that way. It does. Another thing to consider is the qualifications or the training um, that this person has had. And I want to give this example because I, when I interviewed for my doula, I interviewed two doulas, and the first one was extremely qualified. She had the donor certification. She had been to a crazy amount of births, so very qualified, um, really nice, and she was great. But when I interviewed the next doula, she didn't have certification. I think I was her third or fifth. It was a very early birth. Uh, but when I interviewed her, I knew. I knew that that was the woman that I wanted in my birth space, and I trusted it instantly. And then obviously I met with her in person, and she met my husband, and we did all that stuff, but 
personality, this is what we were talking about. It's great mm-hmm. to know the education and the training and all of that that they've had. It's more important that you trust them in your birth space because mm-hmm. most doulas, as long as they've had some kind of training, attended some kind of births, they can talk to you about how they would handle situations or touch you or whatever. Um, as long as they've got those main things down, then it really comes down to who you want in your birth space. I know that with my with my fourth baby, I felt like I had most things covered. One of the things I was looking to improve upon with this birth was um, pain and comfort management. I just really feel like I hadn't reached the pinnacle of that just yet. And so that was a quality I was seeking out in somebody, somebody who was really skilled in um, pain and comfort management techniques. That was really important to me. So I think that, you know, when you're looking through doulas and you're looking at, well, this one does this and this one does that, think about if you've had a prior birth, think about your last birth. What wasn't your favorite part about that? Yeah. And is there a skill that if if that was present at your next birth, it would kind of help make that Yeah, better? the skill that I needed present at my third birth was somebody who had been through it before because my husband and I had taken a birth class and when he was giving me suggestions during my second birth, I was like, yeah, but you don't know what this feels like. <laughs> so <laughs> stop talking to me. Um, and we joke now, there was a point that we came to where I was like, Michael, I like I need the epidural. And he leans in. We talked about this. I think it, we, it's in the birth course. He leans in and goes, if you get an epidural, I'm going to be really disappointed in you. <gasps> because oh, he's like, no. she won't want to disappoint me. So if I say that, then she'll like, that'll encourage her. And in my oh head, my like gosh. I go stone face quiet and I'm like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> That's my backup plan. <laughs> See, you would have killed. I would have been like sobbing. Like, I just, no. I'm trying so hard right now. I was like, I'm trying not to cuss right now in my head. Anyways. Oh my so, I mean, we can joke about it now because I just thought. We need to have a whole that. episode of like, <laughs> partners, let's not, do not do say not. the following. Yeah. That's funny. Bring my husband home. <laughs> oh my goodness. The third time around though, man, he was a dream. Like, you know, we've been there, done that. We joked about that instance. You had communicated these things, right? Communication is Birth photographers, birth videographers, they're actually part of your birth space too. I think, you know, you're going to do this anyway, but obviously pick someone whose style you like. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want an up in their crotch shot or do you (laughs) want somebody that's kind of filming more over the shoulder? You can usually gauge these things by the pictures and the videos that they do. When it comes to choosing one, just like with everything else we've talked about, find somebody whose personality you mesh with. I do think it's a little bit more important here when it comes to a photographer or videographer that they have at least a attended a handful of births um, so that they know what to expect and they're not going to be in the way of the people who are doing more of the hands-on work. Yeah, but they got to learn somewhere. Like somebody's got to be the first couple births. And a lot of times the, they're cheaper. They're cheaper. That's so true. if you're a first-time mom and you like you want it, you don't have a lot of money to spend, I think I mean, I think that's when they're great. And that's how they learn. All right. If you're comfortable with that. Forget my comment then. Scratch that. <laughs> no, and, but to be fair, I, like, I, I wonder if I'm the kind of personality that even if I didn't have the money for it, I might not be comfortable because I feel like maybe they weren't experienced enough to be in my, like, that might be a comfort thing for me. Mm. So I told, I get, I get both. The photographer that I chose for my last one, she had had an unmedicated birth. She'd had four kids. She was a beautiful photographer. She's the one who does all the photography for our course. So she was an easy. Easy, yes. Yes, easy. I think when we come to the end here and what we were talking about when we were trying to decide, um, you know, everything that needs to get put together to have this amazing birth team is 
as with most things, it always comes back to knowledge and education. Yep. And so taking a good birth course, um, something that's going to really teach you what kind of birth you want, how to get there, and then give you all the tools in order in order to receive all of the people that you need to into that birth space. Because if you don't have that knowledge and that education foundation, that preparation foundation, you won't know if your birth team is leading you down a path away from your ideal birth. Totally. So for example, if you don't know that babies' due dates can change, this is obviously an example we give you guys all the time, but if you don't know that the best time to get a due date is with an ultrasound between 11 and 14 weeks and that changing the due date later can mess things up and cause induction and then we start talking about cesarean birth. But if you don't have that information, if you don't know the way that things can go, you're kind of... And your provider's changing your due date, you won't know that that could have some repercussions down the road in your birth. Right. So you have to have that knowledge and education foundation, that preparation. Do the work. I promise you... Putting in the work is always worth it. You're going to have an incredible payoff at the end. Doing the work to interview providers, to do multiple birthplace tours, to interview all kinds of doulas, it's going to pay off. It always does. We also, we have students within the birth course that we get to hear their birth stories a lot. And this is, it's always such a beautiful thing because it's like, this is the benefit. You're reaping all the benefits of doing the knowledge, getting the knowledge, doing the preparation. And so we'll have moms who said, oh, I did need to be induced. Like it became a medical necessity, but then I knew what to look for. I knew like if I, you know, my bishop score, I knew what I needed to do to prepare my mind and my body and my heart to be in that space. And then even moving forward along that, like I knew that if I could just wait until I hit six centimeters to get that epidural, like just having that mindset and then to use the relaxation tools along the way that I'd have a greater chance for a less intervention. Like it all, it all follows that. Yeah. They, um, there was a situation where a nurse was recommending an epidural pretty soon into the induction. And she was like, I knew based off the information, in the course that if I could just wait to a certain point in dilation and get it, that that would lower my chance of having, you know, a cesarean birth, or I knew the techniques to get me to 10 centimeters and pushing that it was important for me to keep moving. Even after I got the epidural, like she was so grateful. And and that's what we hear often in the course is that I it's all about so, empowerment, right? Exactly. Like, I own make, this space. Yes. I know. I know what I want for this space because I've done the research. And they can, no matter what situation they're faced with, they've got the education and the confidence to make the best decision in that moment for their birth and for their baby. To sum things up, we want to remind you to start by looking into yourself and figuring out what your amazing birth looks like. You need to be able to create that vision before you can go on to decide if, if you know certain things, what are the questions to ask the providers? Who am I going to talk to about this that's going to be supportive? You have to be able to envision that birth so that you can move forward with the rest of this. So once you have that vision, you know what questions to ask, you've chosen the right people in your birth space, you've got your birth team assembled, feel confident moving forward that you're going to have an incredible birth experience. We also wanted to take a moment and touch on uh, moms who maybe this sounds like you, where you can't pick a different provider. For whatever reason, your insurance is the way it is. Maybe you're on Medicaid, um, something like that, where it just, this is the provider that you're going to have for whatever reason you don't have a choice. If that's the case, we really want to stress to you guys that knowledge and preparation is everything. Now, that's going to be the same for whether or not you can choose that provider. That's true for, for everybody. 
However, women that can't choose their provider, this is even more, more so yeah. the case. And when we say knowledge and preparation, you guys, we mean take a freaking birth course. Ours is really awesome. We think you'd enjoy it. If you like listening to us on here, you'll love the course too. But you need to do something that's going to give you that foundation. Right. And the best thing about taking a good birth course is the people that have created it have taken a dang long amount of time, energy, and effort to research these things for you and hand you the information. That was my favorite part about taking a birth course. It was everything in one place instead of having to go and cherry pick all the information from all the different locations. Exactly. In closing, do not believe the lie that there is nothing you can control about your birth because, in fact, there's a ton you can control. From the little decisions to the big ones, you are creating your birth experience with every decision you make. Boom. Boom face. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.